You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. I want to take a moment to give a big shout out to those of you who have subscribed to this podcast. And if you have not, you can do that where podcasts are found and we will send new episodes to your device each morning as they are posted. And if you enjoy this show, also please leave it a good review. That helps us out quite a bit. Free agency is getting close. We are just a little over two weeks away from the start of the new league year, which is the official start of free agency. Although over the last eight, nine years, free agency has actually gotten underway a few days earlier as the league has allowed teams to speak with players who are going to hit the market. Should be an exciting offseason for the New York Jets as they look to rebuild their roster. The first step will be free agency. And on today's show, I wanted to take a little look back. Last offseason was Joe Douglas's first real chance to try and improve the roster through free agency. And I want to look back at the players he signed last year, at least the prominent players he signed, not guys who were brought in to be low on the depth chart or to fill out the roster in training camp. But I want to look at the signings of some significance that Douglas made last year, take a look at what they told us, take a look at how he did. So I'm going to break these into categories based on how successful I thought they were. And I'm going to include players who the Jets re-signed, players who were on the Jets in 2019, who hit free agency last year and got a new contract from the Jets. And my first list is going to be the signings that were just absolute failures. These were just signings with nothing redeeming to them. And I think you'd have to start with Pierre Desir. And look, I have to take the loss on this one too, because I thought Desir was a decent bounce back candidate after a rough year in Indianapolis. Jets gave him a a prove-it contract. It was a cheap one-year deal. It seemed like a decent rebound candidate. This was a terrible read by me. This was a terrible analysis when I said that this was a decent gamble because it was a horrible move. Even on a cheap contract, this was not worth it at all. This was a waste of money. I mean, to be honest with you, the Jets probably could have kept Trumaine Johnson and gotten the same production out of what they got from Desir. It started week one where the Bills just went after him and after him and after him. He showed no confidence in his own ability to cover. He was giving cushions that were way too big. And, I mean, what else can you say about a guy who was cut before the end of the season? A guy who was on a one-year contract who was cut before the end of the season. This was one of the worst deals in free agency last year, even though it was not that big. Jets really did not pay a lot for this year. It's not like they wasted a lot of money, but every penny spent on this year was a waste of money. There, there was nothing redeeming about that one. The next guy I'd say was a failure as a signing. You know, it wasn't really his fault, but Patrick Owasso. Owasso, and you may be saying, who was who that? And there's probably a decent percentage of listeners who know who that is only because I talked about him last week. And last week I mentioned probably a lot of people were saying, who was that? And that was a guy the Jets signed from Baltimore who had starting experience. You know, not a great player, but somebody who could be serviceable. And, you know, heading into last season, it felt like the Jets had some really good depth at linebacker. 
and it all just kind of disappeared. You had C.J. Mosley opt out. You had Avery Williamson traded to Pittsburgh during the season. You had guys like Blake Cashman getting hurt. And Owasso would have had an opportunity. He just could not stay healthy. He was limited to one game due to injuries. Just did not work for him. You know, not a, Again, not a great player, but a guy you could probably get by with. The Jets gave him a cheap contract last year. I think that's one I could defend because they did not spend a lot of money on him. And this, unlike this year, which I think you know, ultimately you, you go back and you wonder what film the Jets were watching, I mean, you know, how the guy could have gotten so bad. Owasso was limited due to injury, which you know, it was tough to blame the Jets for, but ultimately the Jets really did not get anything out of that contract, although they did not really pay a whole lot. And it's unfortunate because there was a real opportunity for him to earn a spot on this team and produce, and again, it just did not happen. And the third one, you know, I have to go to Alex Lewis. I just don't think this worked out at all last year. And, I, you know, I've said a lot about Lewis on this show. You know, I've said a lot how I did not really believe in him that much. I just think the Jets overpaid for him last year in free agency. You know, even going back, you have to remember the Jets traded for him in the summer of 2019. They made a deal with Baltimore. It was the stretch where the Jets kept trading late round picks for guys who really were not that productive. You may remember also in the summer, they traded a conditional pick to Indianapolis for Nate Harrison, which they eventually did get back. But Harrison really did not help them. After week one of the 2019 season, they made a trade for Demarius Thomas with the Patriots. That really did not help them at all. And this was the third deal, although I think Lewis was a little bit better. I thought, you know, he could have been serviceable as a backup. He stepped into the lineup after the Kaleche Osemele saga turned ugly. He was originally a backup, and he played a couple decent games, but then his play, I thought, kind of deteriorated down the stretch of 2019 and the Jets went out and gave him a big contract you know it was one of those things where I feel like there was a disconnect between the team and the talent of the player because there were all these reports about how they loved him and maybe they loved what he brought to the locker room heading into the 2020 season and Lewis left the team late in the season so my focus is not so much on that my focus is on his level of play prior to leaving the team And I just don't think it was very high. I don't think it was starting level caliber. And I think they gave him way too much money. I feel like this is the kind of guy you bring in on a very cheap deal. You know, ideally, he's a backup. You can get by with him as a starter if you absolutely have to, if you surround him with talent. And you live with it because even though he's not that good, you know, if you give him a cheap contract, he's not taking up a lot of money. But I felt like during the season there were a lot of weeks where he was the weakest link on the offensive line this was not a great offensive line by any stretch of the imagination in 2020 so those are the deals I felt in free agency just really I I can't find anything redeeming about them bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action football might be over but the NBA college basketball and the NHL are in full swing Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKED ON. It's all one word with no space L O C K E D O N for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. 
This is the Locked On Jets podcast on a Tuesday, and on today's show, we're looking back at the free agents the Jets signed in 2020, seeing how well the Jets did in retrospect one year later. And now we're going to move on to the players, I'd say, were disappointments. And these were not complete failures the way, like, Pierre Desir was. These were guys who had some redeeming qualities, but ultimately... I don't think the Jets got out of them what they were looking for. And I'm going to start with Brashad Perryman. The Jets signed him a year ago to replace Robbie Anderson, and at the time it felt like the Jets almost viewed the two as equals. The Jets did not really make big offers to either player. They brought Perryman in to be the deep threat. And, you know, he had a few good games in the middle of the season. He had a big game against New England on, on Monday night. He had a good second half against the Chargers, but ultimately, he was a disappointment, I think. I I don't think he gave the Jets what they were looking for. I don't think he was consistent on a week-to-week basis. Now, part of that's due to injury, which very tough to blame a player again for injuries, but even when he was on the field, I felt like there were times where he was not running good routes. He was not fighting his way back to the ball. I thought there were some interceptions that, frankly, were on him because he wasn't giving enough to try try and get to the ball, or he wasn't running crisp enough routes. Just a really inconsistent player. And, you know, in retrospect, and, I, you know, this was one I did not love at the time. And I think a lot of the excitement about this came because of the way he finished 2019. He had a huge finish to the 2019 season playing for Tampa Bay. But this was a guy who really came into this season. And most of his production was based on one big month, that one, you know, that December 2019. And, Whenever a player gives you a short stretch of brilliance after a long stretch of nothing, typically the longer stretch tells you what the player is really capable of. So I feel like this is one the Jets should have seen coming. And this is another thing that bothers me is that the Jets, in the media at least, kind of gave you the impression that they made the move because they felt like Anderson was not always giving a full effort. Which, to be fair, I mean, there were some times where, you know, there were not great routes he ran that led to problems, but... I mean, again, I go back to some of the plays Perryman did not make that were there to be made for him. I think it was frustrating to watch. I think Perryman left some catches on the field, but there were moments where he was a deep threat. You know, he was an explosive guy, so I can't put him as a total catastrophe, but I don't think the Jets got what they wanted out of him. I'd say bringing back Jordan Jenkins would be another one. Jenkins' pass rushing numbers were not stellar this year, and... You could that was another one you, you could kind of see coming because he was coming off seven and eight sack seasons. But in context, the sacks were against lesser opponents. You could tell that this was not a guy who had like a 12 sack ceiling. Now, he did give the Jets good run defense. So th- there's that. Uh, but this was kind of, you know, if 2018 and 2019 were the boom scenarios for Jordan Jenkins, I think 2020 where his pass rushing kind of receded a bit was was one of the bust scenarios Connor McGovern you were looking for the for the McGovern to stabilize the center position and this was one I think the Jets were really counting on because if you look at the guys they signed last year there were lots of very short-term deals McGovern was the one guy who got a fairly sizable guarantee heading into this year McGovern was the one 2020 free agent who had a contract that guaranteed he'd be back in 2021. So really the only player the Jets committed to for two years and very inconsistent. You know, I think he took a step back from where he was in Denver in 2019, where he really thrived at the center position. 
Another, the thing that was kind of surprising is that when he played well, he, he was actually an effect, more effective as a run blocker than a pass protector, and I was kind of expecting the opposite. That's the opposite of how he played in 2019 in Denver. And there were some moments where he was pretty good run blocking, so that was a little, you know, you, you, sometimes you just can't predict football. But not consistent on a week-to-week basis, and that's kind of the story of the offensive line. I'd say the same thing about George Fant. This was one where the Jets really swung for the fences on a guy with a lot of physical upside. You've heard it for years, even when he was back in Seattle, all of the athleticism, the guy could potentially be an impact tackle. At the time, I did not love the signing, and part of the reason I did not love the signing was I wanted the Jets to go out and sign Jack Conklin, who was a member of the Tennessee Titans who moved to Cleveland. He was a former All-Pro, all and I, the only reason I gave the Jets a pass on it was... Conklin did not get as big of a contract from Cleveland as I was expecting him to get on the open market. And he has had some injury issues in the past, so I was wondering a little bit whether the Jets knew something that nobody else did. Well, Conklin ended up having a really good season in Cleveland, and Fant was the up-and-down player he was for most of his career in Seattle. There were some very good weeks, but there were also weeks where there was a great deal of struggle. And... I think you look at this offensive line. This offensive line was overhauled in the offseason. Each of these players individually had their moments, but it was not a unit that was fixed by any stretch of the imagination. It was still a unit that had a lot of issues. And you know, I've named three of, the, three of these linemen already as either disappointments or outright failures, and it shows you where the Jets are right now as they try and rebuild this roster. And the final player I'd say is a disappointment, and this is not a guy where this is not a situation where I blame this guy. It's just a situation where he was totally misused by the Jets and a guy I talked about a lot during the season, and that's Frank Gore. And one thing that I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle, nobody should be mad at Frank Gore. It's not his fault. He went in there and by all accounts he was a great professional. I think he's a great guy to have in the locker room. Takes the young players under his wing shows them how to be a good pro. And if you give Frank Gore a couple touches of the game, you know, you can get by with him. Adam Gase got it in his mind that he had to build his offense around Frank Gore. And that was the problem. It's not Frank Gore's fault. There was even a point late in the season where Frank Gore was asked about it. He's asked about all the touches he was getting. And he said, you know, hey, it's a rebuilding team. They want to give the young guys some touches? That makes sense. I'm not going to get mad about it. He was a great guy. But Adam Gase just... Wouldn't hear any. Wouldn't hear of it. Adam Gase wouldn't hear of not building his offense around the 37-year-old running back, and that's something that I think should be emphasized here. My frustration was never with Frank Gore. It was with Adam Gase. It's not Frank Gore's fault he got all those touches. It was Adam Gase's. And I hope that if you're frustrated with the way the Jets played this year with Gore, that you're not mad at Gore because it's all he, his job is to go out there and do what they tell him to do. They told him. Be our go-to guy. That's not his, that's not on him. And as I said, late in the season, he said he said he'd be fine with a, re- with a re- reduced carry load. It was all on Adam Gase. But I can't totally get on Gore, and it's not because he had some big catch against the Rams. It's because the role he was brought in for, though the role he should have been brought in for, was totally different than the way he was utilized. If you're just judging him based on what he should have brought, what, it, what he should have been brought in for, which is mainly leadership. You know, I think he provided that. And I think, you know, he was a great guy to have in the locker room. He just wasn't a great guy to lead the team in touches. 
Chain stores have different price tiers for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are reliably low. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday. Looking back a year at the players the Jets signed in free agency in 2020, now I'm going to move on to a category which includes players I think worked out reasonably well. And it's going to be controversial because I don't think the players in this category are necessarily all that popular. But I appreciated what they brought to the Jets this past season. And I'll start with Neville Hewitt. Hewitt plays the linebacker position that we talked about a little bit earlier. And look, Hewitt's not great. Ideally, you'd upgrade from him. But for what the Jets gave him, and for what the Jets were expecting of him, he was brought back to be a backup. In fact, he was signed to be a backup for his entire Jets career, but he keeps finding his way into the starting lineup. The injuries the Jets suffered in 2019 forced him into a starting role. And again, he was forced into a starting role in 2020. And there were some bad games in there, but there were some games where he looked really good. He's a liability in coverage. A lot of linebackers are. But I just don't think he's a guy who kills you. And for a guy who was signed cheap to be a backup, who was pressed into more action than he was supposed to be, I thought he held up pretty well. And at a position like linebacker, which is not that important in today's NFL, if you have to live with Hewitt at that price, you can. And the second guy who I thought worked out reasonably well was Greg Van Roten, who the Jets signed from Carolina. And originally it looked like there might be a camp competition between Van Roten and Brian Winters. Winters was cut before the season to save some money, so Van Roten stepped into the lineup. And look, Van Roten, again, like he would, not a great player. But I think in the context of the situation, at the very least, he was not worse than Winters. And he came at a much more reasonable price. Winters was too expensive. I think he was a little better than Winters. Even if he was as good as Winters, though, you know, even if he was the liability Winters was, you, got, you could say he, they got the same level of play for about half the price what they paid Winters. So to me, that's a pretty good signing when you consider all of those factors. And we will conclude things with the signing that worked out really well, the signing that I call a total success, and that was bringing back Brian Poole on a one-year contract. Poole, of course, signed with the Jets prior to the 2019 season to be their slot corner, had an excellent 2019 season. There were questions, could he maintain that level of consistency? Did not get a lot of action in the open market, not a lot of interest, so had to settle for a one-year contract with the Jets, and I think played just as well prior to late season injury that caused him to miss the last couple games, but on a defense where there were lots of issues, on a defense without many standout players, I thought when, I thought that Poole was one of the top slot corners in the NFL. That was one spot where the Jets did not have to worry about quality play. They got absolutely great play out of Brian Poole. I think that that contract was completely worth it. I think you could argue that was a bargain. So I think that if you're looking at last year's free agency, there was a lot that did not go all that well. 
Poole was definitely an exception to that. And I would have no issue with the Jets bringing back Poole on a multi-year deal. I think he's proven himself in the slot. I don't think you could I don't think you could ask for anything more than you've gotten from him in his two years with the Jets. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow for our weekly mailbag. Send in your questions.